All right. Uh, this morning we'll be speaking on uh, the subject there of. Um, let me check something. Just one second. All right. Of. Um, let's write this down. The subject of ants that we started with um, at the watch night service. Corny, sorry. All right. Ants, corny is there. And locusts and spiders. So, uh, sorry, Proverbs chapter 30 and verse 24. Proverbs chapter 30 and verse 24. If you can put it up uh, quickly. Proverbs 30 and verse 24. We'll start from that. It says, There be four things which are little upon the earth, uh, but they are exceeding wise. Uh, they answer people not strong, which means they don't have physical strength and might, but they prepare their meat in the summer. And then the corners are about a feeble folk, yet they make their houses in the rocks. Then the locusts have no king, yet they go forth, all of them, in bands. And then the spider taketh hold with her hands, and the Bible says, and she is in the king's palaces there. So what an essential it's saying here is that though the ants are not stronger and may not have physical might, that what they have is wisdom. And when we say wisdom, it tells us that they are strategic. And in particular about the ant, it spoke about the corners also that are strategic in a certain way and the locusts that are strategic in a certain way and then the spiders that are strategic in another way and when you take these four faces together you have the picture of god's wisdom concerning how to do things in a strategic way and so the ants there will start with the ants and speaking about them being strategic uh, what it's speaking to is that they prepare their meat in summer. And by saying that, it goes back to Genesis chapter 8 and verse 22. And what it's speaking to is that ants, first of all, recognize the seasons and the times. So in Genesis, put it up, chapter 8 and verse 22, it says, While the earth remaineth, Seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will not cease. Uh, so the ants understand and they live according to the seasons. In other words, when it's summer, they know that there are certain practices that you carry out during this time and when it's winter they understand also what to do time is not the same with them when we say the same means that every time is the same they understand that all times are not equal that you can say 3 p.m today and 3 p.m on the 3rd of august are two different all right same 3 p.m 
but the characteristics what is going on during those two times are completely different and anybody who is going to be successful anybody who is going to be productive must act in alignment with what the time is actually dictating and you cannot you know just be casual in your approach about it you must act in accordance with the time so first chronicles chapter 12 and verse 32 tells us that the sons of issachar uh, were men that understood children of issachar which were men that had understanding of the times and so know what israel ought to do so the ants understand what to do at every given period there in time in order to be successful they know what to do so it's just like saying that ants understand that for a year to be productive they know you must do certain things in the first three months of the year they understand that after those three months there are certain activities you must carry out during that mid, um, mid period there and there is a way in which you close a year in order they don't just think every time is just time right they understand and that if you miss what you are supposed to do at that particular point in time it will show in the next season i think dr mensah spoke about that and we'll see it here that there are men that don't plow in winter so they must beg in the harvest in other words there are certain things they don't do in a certain season so they beg so i'm, I'm not mean this of anybody all right okay but if somebody every time is begging for house rent then it means he's missing a season right which means there are times where you are supposed to do certain things that you did not do so once that time comes in then it's a time where a demand is made and then you don't have anything and then you're just praying and believing god without understanding the times on the earth so you just think well we just believe god with emergency but you don't understand and appreciate all right the times that are there on the earth so you could see that ants have no reason to beg anybody so to speak because they live according to those times so they understand the two seasons well and they know the set of activities to carry out and therefore they have a routine for those seasons for summer and winter they have their routine <clears throat> they know the set of activities and once they detect that there is a change in season they change the activities that they are carrying out and number one are focused they never deviate from their goal which means they are goal oriented i mean if an ant recognizes that there is food here and with our might and you think about this here all right now this is not contained in that scriptures i don't want to go too much into it but that's not what it's not speaking particularly to that but ants don't they, they don't they don't then i mean you think about it the braveness and the boldness of an ant if you are heading towards somewhere you are going down that road and a creature appears all right almost 100 times larger than you and puts his hand in the way human beings will take off but the ant doesn't recognize it just goes around it 
You put something there, it climbs over that particular thing. The attitude towards it. Now, you look at the ant and say, I'm better than an ant, but really and truly, in terms of wisdom, I'm saying an ant sharper than you. And that's why people carry themselves, you know, with a swag. They don't know anything. All right? They're bouncing around the whole earth, and, and the ants are smarter in their approach to life. So you think about this, you put something, they are focused on the goal. All right? You announce something in the news, it doesn't disturb them. They are trying to find out how to go around your announcement to get to their goal. All right? So they are goal-oriented beings. Put an obstacle and they simply go around it. Their eyes are always on the ball, which is their goal there. Right? So you ask yourself this year, what are your goals? All right? And you keep your eye on the ball and understand that anything that is thrown in your pathway is for you just to develop the capacity to surmount it. Nothing stops you from getting there. Alright? Stop making excuses as though those things, because the people that are getting to where they're getting to. I mean, Dr. Bill is very powerful. I mean, that thing is a, I mean, won't like it, but he's extremely powerful. He said, once you are not self-producing, you become a consumer. In other words, you are looking for people on the outside to get from. Once you cannot get that, you become a migrant. As you are trying to check out of the place. You think about that. All right? Which means you are trying to look for somebody who is producing to take from them. Period. And that there is nothing that can be And that's what Jesus said. Whosoever thirst, let him come to me and drink. He that believeth, he says, self-production. Out of where your belly shall flow rivers of living water. Uh, second thing about ants is they believe in teamwork. In other words, they find something and they understand to maximize this particular opportunity. You've got to build a team around it. And that's why once they discover something, teams begin to come all right, around that particular thing. Then they develop a routine around their goals. Which means they have their goal and then they build a routine through which they accomplish that goal. And the last thing is that they set deadlines to accomplish it. Uh, so this year has to be, that's what time is all about. And Dr. Winston spoke about this. Uh, and, and he was saying that you must have authority over time. It's a very profound thing. Uh, and what that means is, if you don't set a deadline and say, I'm taking authority over time, this all right, is when, all right, I've drawn the line in the sand there. And there was a man back then in the voice of healing era. His name was William Freeman. And, and what happened was, uh, during the voice of healing, they had the, the big prophet then was a man by the name William Abraham. And, and some of the time, he was the one doing most powerful miracles on the earth then. He got tired. And William Abraham said he needed to go and rest. So Gordon Lindsay, who was in charge of what they call the voice of healing, um, a magazine and God Lindsay discovered that Bishop Idaosa. I remember God Lindsay was in Israel praying and he said, God told him, said, There's a man in Africa in Nigeria you have got to go and meet and told him the name of the man. 
And he left the place and came to Nigeria and saw Pahelton and said to him, he said, there's somebody I'm looking for, his name by Ben Sinidahosa. And he said, I know the man, I'll take you to go and meet the man. And he took him to go and meet the man. God in these days, I'm just saying so you understand what I say, Bible school was where Archbishop Ben Sinidahosa went to, all right, and that's where he caught on to things there. So God in Lindsay was, was organized. He was very powerful man of God, Christ for all nations, organized, all right, a magazine around it. So once William Abraham was off the scene, he had to go and look for somebody else that would be the pivot, and he found a man called William Freeman, and he was having meetings in small churches, but he noticed that the quality and the level of, of miracles that were going on in his meeting called match and Godnese said he said the three ranking people at the highest in terms of the healing anointed were Ora Robert were William Braham first, Ora Roberts and then William Freeman. So he took William Freeman and put the face of William Freeman on the pages of um, the Voice of Healing magazine and William Freeman blew up and became all right got into national prominence. But he used to teach four things that he believed were required in order to get healing. Alright and I just want to list the four things he said. He said, number one, you've got to stand on the atonement, which is on the blood, what the blood of Jesus has done for you. He said, number two, you've got to know that it's God's will to heal you. He said, number three, you've got to understand that sickness is demonic or is the devil's oppression. So you are getting rid of the devil to, or his influence to get that healing power there. And the fourth thing he said, he said, you must set a deadline for manifestation. All right, which means this is it. In the sun, they say, oh, well, what if does it happen? Deadline, you won't die, but set a deadline. Do you get what I'm saying here? All right, because or else there will be no now. Where you just ask yourself, once their deadline performance rises, okay. And the reason why a lot of people did well in school, then they get to university, and it's because there is no governing authority of deadline. So when you now have that freedom to behave, people now. So that's the way there. You have the goal, you put it down there that I want this done this year. All right? So what happens here is the ants gather in in summer. And the ants instinctively there, they know, they understand the season of harvest. And while they are there harvesting, right? It tells us in Proverbs, all right, 30, I believe it's and verse 25 that the ants gather, Proverbs 30, 25, the ants gather a people not strong, yet they prepare their meat in the summer. So, they gather in one during the harvest, and while they are doing that, now you've got to note what it says here. It didn't just say they gather in during the harvest, it says they prepare their meat. So they are preparing, there is something that they are doing. They make use of that season very wisely. Uh, they don't play, all right, eat away, or just enjoy themselves with the harvest. Uh, they convert it, they prepare meat. They maximize the potential of that season so that when things change, you actually don't notice on the outside that there's been any change, which means externally, they recognize that there has been a change, and then they put themselves into the routine, all right, for to give birth to the next season, but on the outside. So it's like a person running a company, and actually the very thing that brought about growth and profitability to that company 
has now started going on a decline. But if you look at the company, the company has not wavered there. That thing has actually dropped from, let's say, 100% to 25%. But you look at the company and say, well, if it has dropped from 100 to 25, then they should lay off, all right, workers and reduce workers. But they are still going on. Now, the reason is because, because they understand that nothing lasts that way forever. Nothing does last forever. Even God told Jesus, said, heaven and earth shall pass away. Uh, God himself said that. He said, but you, the only person that will remain and remain the same is Jesus Christ. Every other thing in life is seasonal and seasons change. You've got to understand this. What was the thrust at a particular point in time will no longer be the thrust. Again, seasons actually change. However, you look at them and say, and some people begin to close shop because it's dropped from 100 to 25, and it got to 25 and they are complaining, oh, business has gone bad, but some other people on the outside. Now, you know what happened? Because when they got the harvest, I want to show you this, they converted that harvest to meat. That meat means they converted it into something that became sustainable over years. Look at what it says here in Proverbs here, all right, chapter Proverbs and chapter 6 and verse 8. Sorry, Proverbs 12, 27. The slothful man roasteth not what he took in hunting. Now, you want to say the man is slothful. But he went hunting. All right? He developed that skill to kill the animal and brought the animal home. But he just stayed with that. He did not, all right, roast. In other words, he didn't extract all that he could get out of the opportunity that was given to him. So he got, look, and that's why, let me tell you, people can, you can, people can say what they want to have. Look, you can say all these things. Hey, they came here, uh, taking a mineral resource. The only reason why it's a mineral resource is that some people have converted that thing to something useful. Or else it will not be a mineral resource. It will not be. Go and oil will just be black liquid disturbing fishing. If somebody did not know how to convert that thing to petrol, a vision fuel, it's someone that converted it. So the worth in that thing is through the person, not the person that just has it on your land, but the person who converted it to something valuable. And until you understand conversion, you will not be, you will not be on top in the ladder there if you don't know how to convert things. That's what's going to happen. So you can plant cocoa and say, well, we have cocoa here, yeah, but it's the person that turned into chocolate that made the value, or else you'll be eating your cocoa beans by yourself. Finish. Then you say, when he has converted it into chocolate, then sells it back to you. You say, it's cheating you. What do you mean it's cheating you? <laughs> if you really think about it then. All right? You say, well, all the, all the, uh, no, that's what we speak in Africa. Oh, all the, all the things they put in a mobile phone, those things that you materially use for the chip, come out of Africa. Oh boy, eat the thing like that. <laughs> Take it and begin to eat it. Is of no use until a person does what? Convert. So if you shout beyond measure, they leave your thing and convert something else. 
Are you following me? So you have an opportunity there. It comes at a particular season. And the ants look at it and say, we have to prepare meat. Something that will be sustainable. So what you have there is co-organization have lasted for 100 years. It's not the same thing at the beginning. What the company that you call Shell today was actually trading in spices. At that particular point in time, they were going around the whole place, buying spiders, they were a trading company. So you begin, all right, to look at it and then look at the opportunities there and say, what can we do with the opportunity? So this is a person here, it's not so much, and we see it here, it's not the labor he's talking about, it's not exertion of energy, but it's something that is internal. So they provide their meat in the summer and gather their food. So they look out for opportunities constantly. They know the season. When it's the harvest time, when things are happening, they are looking out, all right, for opportunities that will last a lifetime, that will be transgenerational. That when they are even, as, as a person, when you are out of the earth, that your children, they can get which ones they are looking and they are, they are trying to. That's the way they are thinking about the opportunities that have been given to them. Now, many spend, and what they do is they get some benefit. Uh, they put them, all right, in, in, in a position. Uh, they, they get one single breakthrough. And what they do is they spend... And they are not looking for the opportunities in that particular thing that will give to them a long-term effect. Which means, what are the opportunities that are now contained in this season that I now have with me that will bring about, which means it will bring things into my life that when what brought about this season ceases to exist and it will cease. You are selling mainframe computers in the early 80s. You are the champion. Can you now get up and say, you have IBM, had this, everybody will look at you like you don't know what's going on. Are you following me saying that? All right. You are selling back then, let's say, Walkmans, which is you put the tape in and the headphone Sony. If Sony stayed with that, Sony will be no more. All right? You are the champion of that. But what do you extract out of that particular thing? Which means, and, and, and it's that kind of thinking that is foreign in this part. Which means we will display the wealth, but they don't think deep about it. All right? So a person says to them that, oh, the government has changed their part. They will change it. They, look, Lionel's brother told me when I was alive, he said, he said, you see why I built this building? far away from the road, that car park in front. He said, mark my words, you're coming a far, far. He said, one day the government is going to extend this road. We knew from the 60s. Do you know that when they came to build that, the train track they were building, all right? Actually, the first design was that 
the, what they are doing in the government, where they are building a flyover so the train goes underneath, they were to do it here. So they were to build a flyover right into, over, so the train would have been going underneath. That bridge in Chiba would have been broken, then they would have built one. They had come to mark this place. And they said, everybody going in 10 meters, they are breaking. I remembered what he told me. Things change. Are you following what I'm saying? And God is not caught unawares. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. To listen to the full message or any other message, please visit our website at www.insightsforliving.org. For any inquiries, please call 0818-600-0082. God bless you. Genesis chapter 21 verse 15 to verse 20. Genesis 21 and it's called recognition of opportunity. Recognition of opportunities. Alright, now Abraham sent Hagar out with Ishmael with a bottle of water and a loaf of bread. The Bible says Abraham was very rich in silver, gold, cattle, your father, and no, please don't come and tell me anything that, you know, uh, Ishmael was in the sea. Please, please, please. Ishmael didn't know all of that. My father is wealthy. I'm as much a son legally as Isaac. So don't start this theory. Isaac also, God did the same thing for him. Jacob, I'm just trying to tell you. Joseph, nobody carried the resources of their father to the next generation, but they carried the sight. That's why when you start complaining, it shows you don't know the covenant. Are you following what I'm saying here? Uh, my uncle didn't help me. My brother did not help me. Uh, my sister is in a position to help me. Uh, they didn't help me. And then you are angry. Listen. Put it up here. The father had silver and gold. Plenty. You send your first son out with not one goat, one sheep. A bottle of water and a loaf of bread. Goodbye. May you be well. May you be strong. Be going. You carry the bottle of water and the loaf of bread and sit down and finish it after 48 hours. Bible says, but Abraham knew how he started. He knew what God told him about Ishmael that you become a great nation too. Hey, have, have you read Rich Dad, Poor Dad? Go and read it. When the person that has wealth told him that work for no money so that you can see opportunities. 
Because when you are walking, that's what I was saying, that you are put in a position where you, you have access to things there, but you are thinking about the salary. They didn't give me the salary. They didn't give me the salary. They, the, they promoted. They didn't give me the salary. They promoted. They didn't give me the salary. Can you imagine Joseph complaining that they did a promotion exercise in jail and they didn't make him assistant water? And, and do you get what I was saying here? And in that anger, he sees those two men that are sad and walk past them. I beg your problem is your problem. They didn't promote me. What you talk about? Which way have I been? What's your problem? And people go around that way. Now something happens and say, oh, where was God? Now, look, don't just, don't just, you know, we know we just intellectualize things. Think about how Ishmael felt emotionally. And she cast, and the water was spent, and she cast the child under one of the shrubs. All right, verse 16. It says this. And she went and sat down over against him a good way off as it were a bullshot, for she said, let me not see the death. In other words, this boy is going to rot to death. I can't see my child crying and die. So she went far. And she sat over against him and lifted up her voice and wept. Of course, she was crying for many reasons. You can understand that I was used by them in the house. I had the children and all this problem. Look at what happened. Now verse 18. Now verse 17. And God heard the voice of the lad. Now, so it wasn't the woman. She was crying. The boy must have prayed. Now, his father told him, when there's trouble, just call on your God. Okay, so it's not the woman that was weeping. Now. Do you see it here? When you start crying in situations, nothing, you don't be crying, crying. You come to trouble, I'm trouble. All right? Okay? Heard the voice. I hope you know you're coming from a house where anything you wanted, you got. For him to have been making fun of Sarah and all these people, and, and Isaac, he, he was a champion in the house. The servants were, were moving. And I hope you understand what is going on, because you, you don't really teach my Ishmael should go. There's not a covenant child. Go listen to me. I hope you understand what's happening here. He heard the voice of the Lord, and the angel called to Hagar out of heaven and said to her, What ailed thee? Fear not, for God had heard the voice of the Lord where he is. Next verse. He says, Arise, lift up the lad, and hold him in thy hand, for I will make him a great nation. Then verse 19. And God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water, and she went and filled the bottle. That means God didn't just give her what she needed for that day, but she now had access to a well. That's what it means that you take the harvest and make meat out of it, sustainability. So now they could plant things because they had access to well. They could do that because they had. So when you are in any position, you know, have that deep set. Look, one of, yes, I went to somebody, one of the ministers, well, some guest that came from, for, for Wabe. And so one of the ministers was there. I didn't forget him that they, some of them are living today. So he walked up and said, look, I want to tell you something that God showed me. And he told me a story. I never, I mean, I think I'm a champion of history in this country. But he told me a story in this country about something that happened. And he said, do you know this person was supposed to play that role? That, that, do you know, I never, well, it was a particular role. I never, it was when he was saying it, I said, what this man is saying is correct. All right? And he said, please, please, we think that you are moving into that space. All right? And he said he, did, he just didn't know his sense of responsibility. He just didn't know it. And when God puts you somewhere, you don't, you don't recognize all right, the gravity of what he has placed in your hands. You, you, don't, you, know, you, don't, you just feel that it is just, you know, I, I was just put, and, and you don't recognize that. 
All right? That's why he says the hands of, of servants look to the, or the eyes of servants look to the hand of their masters, uh, maidens there to mistresses, but our eyes are upon thee, O Lord, until you show mercy. In other words, when he shows mercy, that eye starts seeing. So you start seeing things in your environment. That, and you start, and that's what he's saying, that you begin to recognize, and, and that's how you handle, all right, that particular season within your life. So, so I relate with people, even via books, who have experienced longevity there. So you want to read about these people. You want to know how they conducted their affairs. You, you want to read about, all right, those things that they got into certain places. What were the changes? What were the adjustments they made? What is that? And start reading and reading, all right, and reading and reading about those things to find out, all right, how best to handle every season that you are in so you don't just, you know, abuse it, all right? But very important, you thank God. Then number two, you make sure you give him glory during that time and understand that this season has come from God himself and give him glory and and praise him so important praise him that's why Jesus when they saw the mighty works and they were not praising and he said look the things that now make for your peace when you begin to praise God for it then it begins to open up your eyes to see things about that particular thing you are praising him for. Malachi 2, 2. All right, chapter 2 and verse 2. He said, if you will not lay it to heart to give glory unto my name, if you will not hear, if you will not lay it to heart to give glory to my name, saith the Lord, I will send a curse upon you and I will curse your blessing. All right, I've cursed already because you did not lay it to heart. So many people get things and their blessings and the thing turns around because they haven't laid it to heart there, all right, to give God glory. Now, blessings in terms of manifestations will cease. It will pass to something else. So let me tell you, if you miss your season, nobody may know. Now, externally things begin to show that you can make excuses for. So what I'm trying to say is that if you don't see it, your life continues, nobody will really know, but, but, but you will feel that something is wrong because the enemy will build a trench round about you, confine you, and you'll feel confinement, stagnancy, and you'll be wondering what's going on. You can blame it on the enemy that came and somebody that lied on you, but the truth about the matter is that you missed something. All right? So very important. And the way you get this, look at Luke 17, verse 11. Quickly, five minutes here, and just say one or two more things. So, Luke 11 here. All right, and it came to pass, we read the scripture yesterday, as he went to Jerusalem and he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. All right, as he entered a certain village, and you must have this attitude, there met him ten men that were leopards, which stood afar off. And then they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said, Go show yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, and these are the people that see more, one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God. You don't take it and say you are a strategist. Are you following what I'm saying here? And take it and start 
doing seminars and, and teaching nonsense because you don't even know how you got to where you do you get what I'm saying? I'm confusing people. Okay? And fell down on his face, giving him thanks. And he was a what? Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, Were well, there not ten cleansed? But where are they the nine? They are not found that return to give him glory except the stranger. And then Jesus looked at him. And very few people would come back and said, Arise, go thy way. Thy faith has made thee whole. In other words, what he did the first time was a wholeness. So when you come back for some blessing and stop, all right, and, and listen, look, look, look let, me, let me tell you this, right? If you don't learn it, you will learn it. If you don't learn it when you learn it, then you will suffer for it. There's no thing there. If you are in a group and things are happening, don't come and attribute it to yourself. Say, you know, if I wasn't in that place, if I was in that place, hey, if, if not for me. Even if, even if it was you that brought that, just take it that God used you. Are you following what I'm saying here? God, God I, you, know, you know, one time we were in school, and that's how I got delivered completely from this. So, we were in a fellowship. I said this, the president of fellowship told me, he said, look, when I'm gone, you are the only person I feel should handle this fellowship. But what then, there were people doing project and all that. But me and my friend, you know, we used to go to winners all the time, I think, which got chips on our shoulders too. So, we left the fellowship. And the fellowship continued. I mean, they continued like we were not alive. <laughs> All right? And it continued. Maybe the fellowship went to, let's say the fellowship was, maybe there were like 100 people, 160 people. But then I realized, not that anybody taught me, but by experience. I, you know, you know, you know, you may not have it, but when somebody now starts teaching it, then you agree completely with what they say. Then you realize that ah, that was my own experience. So when I finally got back into leadership of the fellowship, and the fellowship grew and became oh, to about 400. But, but I had realized that if I wasn't there, right? Now, what you're calling vision, vision may not happen. But you on the outside, your vision too will not happen. And they are okay with what they have and enjoying themselves. All right? If you leave, three things happen. It goes on. Finish. Oh. <laughs> Are you fine? It goes on. Finish. So all this way you're strutting as though, you know, I'm the main man. It goes on. All right? And you need that kind of experience to know that you met this world. And when you leave the world, the world will continue. So before you say you are the champion, think about it. Don't forget. There was a time you were crying that they were clothing you. You didn't even know what clothes were. Now you are the champion. That nothing can happen with her. So, understand that. Give God glory for it. And recognize it is more than the eyes can see. Alright? Which means there is more to this 
than what is going on. There's a deeper meaning to this, and I must press into that because when I move from just this external into the next stage, which means a person, let's assume, got a promotion and then be entered and built, and the purpose was to build up their relationships in the life, and those relationships were established, and then suddenly they said, Well, we don't we are closing down this company because anything can happen, we are changing it. Our emphasis is now here. We don't need this kind of skill and talent, and you are gone, then the rose relationships carry you. So when it's winter, they're always thinking about summer, this second thing, right? When it's summer, they understand that it doesn't remain the same. And you can read the book, Who Moved My Cheese? All right? And changes are going on. Ants are instinctive. They know. So when they are moving, if you read Move My Cheese, all right, people camp in a particular place and think it will last forever. They sit down in a particular place and think it will last forever. All right? But things actually change. All right? Things change. And when things are changing, you've got to be, so you have to be a person who is that way, organized that way, that things do change. So when it's winter, they are thinking about summer. So when the change occurs, and they have sustainability, they understand that ah, the pivot of this thing has switched. They know that. The principal thing that brought us has moved. Now because we have handled that season wisely, it's not evident on the outside, but they know that they must ride another wind into the next phase. Do you get what I'm saying? Now, and so one of the things that you don't have with them is they don't fall into pessimism there, which means that when a person has those elements of it, you attach permanence to the things to things that don't go right which means they don't attach permanence to a season and when you attach permanence to it you open your mouth and you start saying things during that season which is what causes the problem i can never get my life back you understand what i'm saying that's what causes the problem all right things are not working for me you start talking like it is over when it's just a season. You start bringing permanent. I mean, you, should, you really should. I mean, I mean, we might just say it in a casual way, but there is real depth in what. I mean, we might just look at it. But I actually, I've not heard anybody talk confession at that depth. Bill Winston was saying when he said, "We have to pray ourselves in, and we have to pray ourselves out." Now, you just say things, but you create difficulty by that utterance. And that's what Satan, the accuser, is using. That you said you pray yourself in. So you must always have a prayer point when you are going in. And when you are coming out, there must be problems, so you have to pray because you said it. Meanwhile, he said the scripture says in your going in, you'll be blessed. In your coming out, you'll be blessed. But what they were saying was, we need to pray ourselves in and pray ourselves out. So, if the scripture, as a seed of Abraham says, in the land where I planted, you shall be, but you say, then so is it. So, somebody asks you, so how are things in Nigeria now? Very difficult. Tight. Things have changed, man. Tight. Everything is just tight. So when, when do you, we don't know what will happen now. All right? 
So what people start saying, you just listen to people, they start. Now, so once ants get into that kind of season, they know that, all right, thanks. They know that another season is coming. And you know what they do? Let me just quickly give the scripture of come to an end here. Proverbs 20 verse 4. It says, the sluggard will not plow by reason of the word cold. So that's winter time. So during that winter time, it says they shall do what? Beg in harvest. In other words, when the next season that is coming, they are planting the seeds. You see what it's saying here? Your words are the seeds. Seed time and harvest. So while they are there in that season, when ants withdraw themselves from activity, because nothing is going on on the outside there, they are speaking, so to speak, big words about what is coming next. So instead of saying things have become very tight, they are saying there's a major breakthrough around the corner. Massive, and this time around, I'm going to be wiser about it. And they are preparing themselves for that. All right, so you don't have any difficulty coming out of their mouth. They are not saying words, they are there because they understand you shall have whatsoever you say. So they are not there just talking about the environment and how difficult, they are planting seeds. Uh, they are saying it. They are, they are, so you might be in a season of constraint now. And he says, so what's going on? God says, now it's time to start planting seeds for the next level. Start planting the seeds for the next level. Where are you going to start planting the seeds now? Start saying what is coming next. Start saying. That's what Bishop Benzmark was saying. He said, get a word and you have to create it. Get, become creative there. There is a process when you get back into that cycle. All right? And you get into that cycle. Don't get, all right? Start plowing the ground. Start plowing the ground. Start planting. Start planting. Start planting. So that when the next season of harvest comes, you are not there. While everybody gets a breakthrough and say, what happened to me? And that's what happens. Some people say, well, all my colleagues suddenly just moved up. And it's the truth. Are you following me say that? These things, I mean, it's hard. Uh, someone's even winking to me that Pastor was, what Dr. Billy said is hard. Pastor, tell him to relax. When he was saying, but it's the truth. All right? It's, what they're saying is the truth. A ministry, a door opens if you don't enter. If you don't go in, the door closes. All right? Time is not just time. Once that door closes, if you go in outside the close, you will be sweating. The only way you can do it is to join somebody who went when the door and humble yourself. And you follow then you wait for the next time the door opens. And you follow You are waiting that this one I missed, not again. And what you are saying is, you come here as a canker home stole, it will be restored sevenfold. That's, you are waiting for that one. So you are saying, God, when that door opens, there will be complete restoration. Do you get what I'm saying here? All right? And you are declaring that. And you are declaring that. You understand the season. So the minute the signs change, you know, now we've gotten into a place of harvest and you get it. So get into the creative with your words. All right? You plant about the future. Recognize the season. Okay? Start speaking words and then start scouting for new opportunities. So you start scouting for new opportunities. When people get in there, they start scouting for new opportunities there. They will come, and majorly they'll come through new relationships, because for words actually become flesh. But the way they become flesh is first, words create new relationships. Their relationships now birth opportunities and experiences. All right. So when the word becomes flesh, that's why the bones have to come together. 
So people things start happening. You are saying things. You are saying things. You start meeting different people, new people, and then somebody just suggests something in a conversation. Somebody just says something. Somebody, and then you get into all right that next season through the opportunities that come. But don't ever sit down and you know and have this sense of hopelessness, all right, about your life and start making statements that will extend or make a season permanent. Are you following what I'm saying? And you make it permanent. I must start saying things that, you know, you know, everything is just, my whole life is just scattered. Every time I just want to move into something, something terrible just happens. It happened once. Don't start repeating it. That's what happens to people. Do, do you think, do you think, do you think that, do you think, that do you think that um, do you think that for other people nothing goes wrong? I, I told you, I, I said this Wavek, we, we stood like, like this. I was got in a, it was the day of the meeting, the day of the meeting. The deal was three o'clock. Well, we are set now. We've brought out, now, now you now know sometimes why God is guiding you. So I said, why didn't you bring out the full timetable? You know we stopped at day four. And then it was God. Because what happened was that day five, day five, we changed everything. Because, I mean, Bishop Kimberta had asked for his speaking schedule. And then suddenly inside his heart, he just came and said, it was to board that night. He just said, look, I have a check. And I called him and said, I have a check. Now, in all seriousness, when I told the minister, he said, but you two told me last year that this next year, you won't invite him for this, you will invite him. You said you were not invited for one that you were inviting him for minister's coming. Didn't you say so? So you said it. <laughs> are you from Zenia? Now, Bishop, now, you are there, and Bishop, so no, Bishop just said, you ever, he just said he won't be able to make it once his passport is full. So that falls away in front of you. I don't know. Now you don't start opening your mouth. What's wrong with me? What sin did I commit that made God do this to me? What's about to disgrace me? All right. Now some people, this is why I say you need to talk to me. Because some people, when they are planning things, feel that you just said one, two, four, and everything just said one, two, four. So when everything fell into place, someone now asked me, so where exactly were you going to put the other people to speak with all this there? Do you get what I'm saying? So you, you, it happens. Stuff happens. Don't, don't establish them. Are you following what I'm saying? Stuff happens. Don't establish them. Things happen. Don't, don't make the thing permanent. You know, by the words that you are speaking. People go through things. They go through things, but they don't just start opening their mouth and say, oh, "Look at what's happening." They don't do that. Right? So when you are in that season, be planting powerful words for the next season. When the new season comes in, oh God, open my eyes. Every potential in this thing, every capital, I must see it. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. To listen to the full message or any other message, please visit our website at www.insightsforliving.org. For any inquiries, please call 0818-600-0082. God bless you.
right, let's put up Proverbs chapter 30 and start reading from verse 24. Uh, we started this message during the crossover service, and I just want to spend two weeks on it. It says, there be four things which are little upon the earth, but they are exceeding wise. Not just wise, but exceeding wise. And so Solomon described this as activities that are exceeding wise. And then he goes on and says, the first one, number one, they answer a people not strong, they don't have strength, but they do something, they prepare their meat in the summer. The second here are conies by feeble folk, not strong also, yet they make their houses in the rocks. Number three, it says, locusts, they have no king, yet they cover up that, all right, and they go forth, all of them, by bands. Number four, the spider taketh hold with her hands and is in king's palaces. And so I want to look at this morning, uh, the subject of ants. So we have these four creatures here that give us the four, uh, four faces of wisdom that is, the Bible says, describes it as exceeding wise. And so he wants us to have their principles there combined in our lives, um, and, and we operate in that. Now, starting with ants, it tells us that though they are not strong, they are very strategic. And their strategic operations is rooted in the fact that they know times and seasons. That is, ants understand that there are times and seasons. That not all time is of the same character, that times are different, which means there are seasons and there are times. And once they understand the time, they know the activity to put in place in order to maximize what is going on at that particular point in time. So they understand time and therefore they know what to do. First Chronicles chapter 12 and 32 tells us about the children of Issachar that these were men that understood, that had an understanding of times, and so it says to know what Israel ought to do. So ants understand that there are basically two seasons. They understand these two seasons well, and they know the set of activities to carry out in each season, and they know the routine to practice in order to be profitable on the earth. Now, it tells us about these two seasons because it says they prepared their meat in summer. And Genesis 8.22 tells us, as long as the earth remaineth, it will be broken into two. You are going to have seed time and harvest, you are going to have cold and or sit them and have cold and heat, you are going to have summer and winter, and you are going to have day and night. Now, just mention four characteristics of ants. Uh, this is not directly, this scripture is not speaking to this, but I think this will help us as we interpret their activities. Number one, and you have to cultivate this, this year, 
Ants are focused and they never deviate from their goal. In other words, ants, and we need to think about this, the courage of ants, the fact that ants are brave. We overlook these things, but it's so true. Now, let's just say we've, I put some sugar here, and the ants sense that there's sugar here, and so they start coming up to come for the sugar. Then I place this case here, and I put this telephone here, all right, the cell phone, to block their pathway. You understand that the size of this case as compared to the size of an ant, you could look at it this way, you are heading here now, and some massive, let's say, log, all right, a tree log is placed on the road, and it falls across massive, and some being just appears and carries one massive log, all right, and that being is multiple times your own size. I mean, as we are multiple times the size of an ant. Then we place it right on the road. People will go back home with a genuine excuse. You'll go home and tell people, my friend, I'm back home. You're back here. What happened? Eh? If you see the creature that appeared, if you see this creature since I've been on this earth, I'm not saying anything like this. Massive love. And everybody say, yeah, we thank God. Sit down in the house. All right? And everybody. But these ants, they will move. Just think about this. You put something, a massive being, and they are not threatened. They come, if they come across this massive case as compared to their size, they hit on it because they already have their pathway to get into the sugar. Suddenly, I place this to obstruct them. They go on it, and they recalibrate. They don't complain. They don't murmur. They try to find how to go around it or how to go over it. And within a few minutes, they will, all of them will have found a pathway. Either they go around or they climb over the thing. So they are focused on their goals and they don't deviate. And when we say focused on your goals, you don't consider obstacles towards your goal so important and significant as to take your eyes off your objective and then put it on the obstacle that is there. And people don't know that that's what weakens them, not the obstacle. The obstacle is not powerful. It is the fact that you take your eyes, just like Peter was walking on water, and the winds had nothing to do with whether he would walk on water or he could not. The same thing with obstacles. The wind had nothing to do with it. If no wind was blowing, walking on water, it didn't, it didn't add or subtract anything. But what finished Peter, the scripture says, was he looked on Jesus. What finished him was when he saw. So he took his eyes of Jesus and placed his eyes on the wind. And as he examined uh, the, what was going on in the wind, that thing sent a signal into his heart. And fear came in. And the Bible says he began to sink. So as he placed his eyes, and we don't know this, when you take your eyes off your goal, and then you place it on the adversity or, or on the challenges there. You just consider them. And you are looking at them. They speak to you and weaken you. And that's what causes the issue there. So put an obstacle. They simply go around it. Your eyes must always be on the ball. By looking and being fixated upon it, the knowledge of how to get there will get communicated to you. What are your goals this year? You must understand how to, maybe I'll teach this later on, 
which means that even when you sleep, there's a, there's a, there's a routine you go through that when you wake up, it's, it's just the first thing you think about, all right, because you've embedded it in your subconscious. Number two, about ants, they believe in teamwork. In other words, once they spot the thing, they build a team around the execution of that particular task. Number three, they develop a daily routine concerning it. And then number four, they set deadlines to accomplishing that particular thing. All right, Bill Winston, Dr. Bill Winston was speaking about this during WAVEC, and he was talking about dominion over time. And he was saying that the realm of the spirit all right, does not recognize, it's not a realm that is governed by time. And that what happens is we wait on time to get things done. And so we will give ourselves, and know it's just like, well, it's almost like when time finally gives it to us. And was talking about, you know, the realm of the spirit is eternal. If you get into the realm of the spirit, that is how, what you are believing for, that's how it is. So you've got to call it into existence and dominate time there. And so it's important, all right, that you set uh, deadlines for accomplishing things and dominate. That's why when Jesus Christ told his disciples, he said, look, lift up your eyes. The fields are all white ready for harvest. He said, say not in your heart three months before the harvest, which means don't keep putting this thing into the future. If you keep saying three months, three months, three months, time, 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 it will affect the results that you will get. Now, so what do ants do? During summer, uh, they gather in. They know that the seasons, there are seasons, and things will not remain the same forever. They understand that conditions are not permanent. Things change. They understand that. Now, many of us don't know that things, all right, the way God has designed it is that things, even if God blesses you with something, changes will occur. And so ants understand that, look, you have things going on, things are going to change. And there is a way in which you conduct or behave when you are at an advantageous position so that when the change occurs, you maintain your advantage in the next season. That there will be seasons where what you are doing, all right, the way you are doing it is cutting edge. But things are going to change, all right? It's, it's part and parcel of life. And so you've got to understand how to govern that change. It tells us in Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 9, it's only Jesus himself, himself that doesn't change. Even what he does changes. All right, now put up verse 10, okay? From where you started, verse 10. And thou, Lord, in the beginning you have laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of thy hands. Look at what it says about the verse 11. It says, they shall perish. But thou remainest, they shall wax old as doth a garment, like a piece of cloth. And as a vesture, thou shalt fold them up, and they shall be changed. But thou art the same, and thy years shall not fail. 
So ants understand. They are proactive. They understand that they are seasoned and things will change. Daniel chapter 2 and verse 21. It says this in Daniel 2 and 21. And he changeth, this is God, the times and the seasons. And when he makes these changes, what he, one of some things going on is he removeth kings, which means people who are in authority, who rode on certain seasons and times, they didn't understand that the reason why they were on top was they were in alignment with the time. And then he setteth up kings. He giveth wisdom to the wise. And this is how to handle times and seasons and knowledge to them that know understanding. So ants instinctively understand that there is the season of harvest and then there is another season. There is summer and there is winter. And they think about the future as they participate in one season. In other words, when they are operating in a season, their activities are in context of what is coming next and not in the context of what is going on presently. They are thinking about the future as they operate within a particular time frame. So in harvest, the scripture says they prepare their meat. They don't play with it. They don't play it away. They don't spend that time just enjoying themselves. They maximize the potential of that season so that when things change, you don't even notice externally, all right, that a change has actually occurred and there's a switch in the seasons. And the reason is because the scripture says they provide meat in the summer. When it talks about providing meat there, when I thought about it, it's about out of the harvest, they create something that is sustainable for a long period of time. So what they have done there is they have provided meat. They have taken the harvest and converted it into something that can sustain them even when that particular season changes and what they use to create that meat is no longer, all right, at the cutting edge. For example, let's just give a person runs an organization and it came from one very powerful idea that was in sync with the season. And so the, the harvest came in. So what begins to happen is, all right, then the season changed. And when that season changed, the power of that idea dropped from, all right, 100%, percent just say this, to about 20%. Now, if all they are sitting on was just that single idea, then what happens is all the people that are employed are threatened. Their lifestyle is threatened. Everything drops, all right, from 100 to 20. So they have to start laying people off, and everybody says, what's going on? Our times are tough and all of that. But what ants do is that from that particular harvest, they provide something that can, they can use to sustain themselves. So when the change occurs and that particular aspect drops from 100 to 25, because they have harnessed that particular period into certain other things, 
it's no longer evident. Now, so they, they understand that really when they look at it, the season has changed. But it's not really evident on the outside, but they know it. And so they start preparing for the next season, but they know that the season has actually changed. I mean, casual people just look at it and say, ah, you're still doing well. But they know that there's been a change there. But the only reason why they've been able to survive it is because of certain things they did during that time. Let me give an example here. Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 27. It tells us the sluggard. Now look at how it describes a slothful man. It says, the slothful man roasteth not that which he took in hunting, but the substance of a diligent man is precious. Now, so what he's saying is the slothful man, but the man wasn't just lazy in that sense. He actually took something hunting. He went to hunt, and he got, all right, the animal, and killed the animal with the skill that he used to hunt. But he didn't go beyond, all right, getting the animal in. He didn't take it and begin to creatively find how he can derive benefit from what that single skill or that idea brought to his table. He was mentally lazy. And when the Bible speaks, particularly in Proverbs, about being slothful and the sluggard and the lazy man, it's speaking more about mental laziness, we we'll see this, than just physical assertion which means the ability to look at something and do the mental work. And people say, oh, what? I, mean, I mean, well, I'm, I'm, I mean, I got it hunted. To do that mental work, to be able to derive benefit, to look at it and say, well, we could use the skin of this animal to make leather. We could use the hoofs, all right, to make this. We could take the bones, all right, and grind it and start making plates and all of that. Uh, and and, and the, the horns and, and do several things with it so that when hunting is no longer the issue, all right, that is paramount, these other things that we have, the meat we have provided from that particular thing, now sustains us into the next level. So it is no longer apparent because we are still hunting, but it's no longer apparent. And people say, well, hunting has run into trouble, but you are still doing well because of other things you have brought out of it. So they do understand that, that God gives you an opportunity and uh, to enter into something and then he expects you to utilize, which means when that thing is the in thing, don't just enjoy, all right, the external trappings there. There is a deeper meaning to that thing there. Look, find the opportunities that are created or that situation has created and start drawing out the benefits from it. So they provide their meat in summer. And it's this conversion principle there, the ability to be in a space, which means that a person is promoted and gets into, you know, a certain space there. Maybe he's promoted in the office and gets somewhere. And God looks at him and says, in eight years' time, this particular business will no longer be on the cutting edge of what will be happening on the earth. And probably they're going to lay people off in this company and your skill set at that particular point in time will no longer be necessary. So God says, now, you are now in this particular position. There are other things I want to bring out of this particular position. There are relationships that you are going to develop here. Now, the person doesn't understand seasons. The person just feels that I'm blessed by this singular thing. And does understand that Esther was in the courts of the king as queen and that she was enjoying being the wife of the king, 
But a time came when Mordecai said, you are in the kingdom for such a time as this. Which means the real reason why you are here, right, is not you can testify about becoming queen. That's not the point. The real essence of it is for this particular work. Recognize it. Or else, he says, you and your father's house will completely be destroyed. So, we've got to recognize what is going on in our environment. And understand either the people that make these conversions. And I'll show how you do it. That are able to draw out. I mean, in Africa, we say things and, you know, we say, you know, Africa is the richest uh, continent in the world. But it's not, all those things are not really true. Right, Richards, we have all the minerals in the world, and you cannot have them, you know, and we like to pride ourselves about that, and you can't have a mobile phone without the, the minerals that are in Africa, or the elements they use, but let me tell you this, all right? We say, well, there's, there's oil and there's wealth, but the wealth is not in the black liquid. The wealth is in the conversion. If some people did not convert black liquid into petrol, aviation, that you can, it will have been a nuisance to fishermen. It will have been a disturbance. So the real value in it is the fact that some people are able to take that black liquid out of the ground and turn it, and you look up in the air, and a plane is flying over, and it's the extraction of value from that particular thing. Oh, we can say we have all the cocoa, cocoa, cocoa trees in, in the whole of the world, in, in Africa, and, but, but okay, eat your cocoa seeds, and, um, all right? It's not good. I mean, it's people that extracted and brought out chocolate, extracted that. So the real power is in the ability. That's why it says the sluggard. We'll see this. The lazy man is the man that doesn't, you know, see the opportunities in what is before him or her and able to derive, all right, maximum value out of that particular situation. So ants, they look out for opportunities. They scout. That's one thing about them, scouting. Looking for opportunities that will last much longer than that particular season, which means they understand this will be for a season, so they are looking for opportunities that will last much longer than that. So you, you make them CEO of something, they look at it, that there's a day, I'm not going to be CEO in this place for, there's retirement age, that won't be here forever, if I was appointed a CEO here, a time is going to come that this thing is no longer going to be there, what am I going to, and they're able to maximize and extract the next season out of that. So many spend during their harvest, but don't see opportunities that will have a long-term effect. And ants understand that. They know that it's times and seasons, all right? Many times even Christians will wish that, then go and believe God during the next season for a breakthrough. When what God wanted was you have wisdom to extract the value of one season, so when you go into the next, right, you have already taken value that makes you relevant in the next one. So they provide meat. Uh, they make something out of the harvest there. So God looks at somebody and says, well, you've been promoted inside the office. Your salary has gone much higher. It's been doubled or tripled. But he looks at it and says, that's not what this is all about. What this is all about is you are going into government in the next seven years. And he looks at it and that person doesn't know. And he says, the most important thing are the strategic relationships that are going to be built inside this place. I have put you here, okay? going to build strategic relationships here. 
And so God now says, if only I can get this person to understand it. But pride comes into the heart of that person. I've been multiplied my salary three times. I'm a genius. Nothing happens in this environment without me. And then begins to develop an attitude. And the very things that God wants to do are blocked. The person doesn't even see them. And then they get into the next phase and they say, where is God? And things, you know, seem to be falling through because they didn't recognize the moment that they were. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. To listen to the full message or any other message, please visit our website at www.insightsforliving.org. For any inquiries, please call 0818-600-0082. God bless you. you conduct your affairs so you get into a time of, of pray to God, God open my eyes, let me see everything that is contained in what I'm doing. Don't just be the person and just enjoying yourself and saying, well, we're enjoying ourselves, we're traveling, we're no, it's that God, what's going on here? More light. Open my eyes. Let me see what is going on. Let me, let, let, let the potential that is contained in this particular thing. I have a friend who used to be in this church before he traveled um, to America and he, he told me, he said, look, He's a tax consultant, and now he sells property, and that's their main business. And I said, so how do you get into property? You are an accountant. You, I was, I said, well, you know, he said, you know, in America, there's a time for taxation, where everybody does their tax return. Once that three-month window is over, there's no work. He said, well, we make enough money to keep ourselves for the nine months, but it's after some time, and I told my clients started, I just noticed that they would just be asking about property. When I look, I said, you know, want to buy property, do you know anything, anybody we could buy property from? He said, they just will be coming and talking about property. Ah, so he said, since these people are talking property, let me start an estate company. So when they come now, they said, do you want to buy property? So the wife became CEO of that. Now, he said, it's the property business that is the major thing that is going on. So most of the people he does their tax for, he also buys property for them. Now, you could sit down there and people are mentioning property and you don't see. You say, I'm a red accountancy, University of Lagos, I got BSc on. Are you following what I'm saying here? What do I know about property? What do I know about it? Now, they bring out a policy on taxation that affects your revenue. And you say this, wicked, wicked Republican government, not knowing that that same um, policy there cost estate price to go up. Do you get what I'm saying? His eyes that see. So if you are stuck, I'm, I'm, I'm getting. If you are stuck, I say, what's going on? You missed something.
Something you didn't see. Because we just did, we thought that we got promoted, we love that to enjoy it. So how do you get to this place where you begin to see things? Now you pray and ask God for that. That becomes a strong prayer point. All right. And what you're doing, eyes that see. Eyes that see. All right. And then one other thing you must do is Malachi chapter 2 and verse 2. It says, and when things begin to happen in your life, look, don't start thinking that the world revolves around you. If you will not hear, if you will not lay to heart to give glory to my name, said the Lord, I will even send a curse upon you, and I will curse your blessing. Yeah, I cursed them already because you didn't lay it to heart. So things, I mean, let me be honest with you. This thing that we started doing, of course, many people now do it now. But when we started, we said we will have a church, and we had a church in Ireland, and I will preach and preach. Let me tell you where it came from. Because when I was on campus, we had a massive season, all right, things were happening and all of that. So it just occurred to me later, after I had left school, that that was a mistake. It just occurred to me that Education Auditorium, which is University of Lagos, is at, is at the other end of University of Lagos. So we'll have fellowship, and we'll have fellowship there. All right, we were paying, and it was nice. We'll have fellowship there. And then sometimes when we have major programs, we'll now go to... Um, to, to wait, wait, two places, either Arts Theatre, which was more central, most halls were around that, or the main auditorium. But it never occurred to me, and we used to do fellowship twice, Wednesday and Sunday, it never occurred to me until I left school. We could have done one meeting on Sunday in Education Auditorium, and then the second meeting on Wednesday, in a, we could have done it. But it's just this thinking that this is our location. This is our location. All right? It's just, ah, I said, if I ever have a chance again and have that kind of breakthrough, it won't be a one location thing. That's what happened to me. So I'm not saying that you learn from things. All right? So it says here, if you don't lay to heart, now when you are in a season and things are happening, give the glory to God. This is very important. Give all of the glory to God. God is the source. The times and the seasons are in his hands. He is the source. Don't ever think, all right, that, you know, without you, he's the source of it. Give him the glory. Then Luke chapter 17, and start reading from verse 11. Luke 17, verse 11. And this also practice is in line with it. It came to pass as he went, through, went to Jerusalem and he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. He said, the Bible says here, as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. And he lifted up their voice and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, go show yourselves to the priests. And it came to pass as they went, they were cleansed. Verse 15, and one of them, and this is how the ratio is with human nature. If you have 10 people, only one will do this. And when he saw he was healed, one of them turned back and with a loud voice glorified God. And verse 16, and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan, which means the one with the least entitlement mindset. Now, many people feel entitled. So they, they don't even, they're, they're not, there's no thanksgiving in that. They feel they're entitled to it. 
And Jesus answering said, were there not ten cleansed? So he looks at it. Didn't ten people get promoted, all right, in that city at that point in time? How come only one person's voice am I hearing thank you? Which means you must be attributing it to something you have, not God. Now look at what it says here. Why then nine, they are not found that returned to give glory to God, save this stranger. And verse 19, he said to him, arise and go thy way. Thy faith has made thee whole. Wholeness means the fullness. Now, it's not just you got healed of leprosy here. Everything, the wholeness of that thing now comes to you. Everything now, which means a whole package, which means everything that God has associated with that particular thing. And that's why when they were praising God, that's why he said stones will immediately cry out. If you don't start praising him for the mighty works, with the understanding there, and you're not praising him, he said, look, stones, which means there's a law of replacement. Whoever starts thanking him for anything, he says, bring this person into position. Bring that person into position. All right, start thanking him and giving him glory that stones. People are not going to come and replace me and take my position here. And you'd go there and you worship God and, and you thank him that this thing was God that granted it, all right, to you as a person there, and you give him praise. So thanksgiving that it has come from God, then ask him to open up your eyes so you'll see, uh, right, what is in it, that some of those things that happened momentarily for five years, I mean, there have been people that made money, and there have been people that made the same amount of money, and somebody made money, and there are estates that he invested the money in, land, that he invested that money in, that, that their eyes were just opened, and they decided, I mean, all this lucky place that we are, everybody's almost dying over now. When there was a judgment in Lagos where somebody lost land in Lagos Island, and they gave a family substantial part of, it was like bush back then. All right? If you came to meet them with five naira back then, ah, you will buy by the time you give them 200,000, you, you take over acres. Now, if somebody bought it, somebody's... So, as we're saying this, there's land somewhere in Lagos now that if you take 200,000, your children's children will eat from that thing. This 200,000 is what you used to fly to Abuja from Abuja to Calabar from Calabar to Lagos, and you are complaining that the food they gave you on the plane wasn't good. This is landed estate. Do you understand what we're saying here? Landed property that you have spent in anger. Uh, you get this? So, God, now can you imagine somebody saying that and, he, and somebody loves you? He'll start weeping. Wastage. Wastage. So, it's important that prayer is offered that your eyes see and, and, your, and the way you do that is with reverence, you are giving glory unto God. Then in closing, the second one in winter, they also understand that. They withdraw, all right, from that. They understand the opportunities are not there again. So they go into the creative to create the next phase. Bishop um, Tudor Bismarck spoke about that, the cycles of life. Uh, and so when you get into that phase, if you don't go into the creative again, then nothing happens again. So you want to create. And when winter comes, they're thinking about summer. In other words, 
the minute they get into a season that looks like a decline, they know that it's preparation. They, are not, they, don't think any, they don't think something is going wrong. They just believe that we are now in the season where we prepare for the next breakthrough. Now, all the mistakes I made in the last one, I'm not going to make it now. All the things I left unsaid, I'm going to say it in this one. They, are, they, don't, you know, they don't have that mind that, you know, there's trouble. Oh, things are going wrong. Oh, where's everything? No. They understand this. We start thinking about summer. We start thinking about the new harvest. We start thinking about how life is going to be. We start thinking about the opportunities. Start thinking about the fact that writing down this time around, even though nothing is happening this time around, I'm going to do this. I'm going to be more on the cutting edge. They're thinking about summer. What the next breakthrough season will be like. The opportunities that are going to come to them. They start thinking about it and how they're going to utilize those opportunities. They don't fall into pessimism there, which means, oh, nothing's happening, and you become, all right? Which means anybody that listens to you talk. I mean, I met somebody who was, felt he was, he was brilliant, and was trying to tell me why Nigeria cannot work. So he said, have I convinced you because you do platform? Have I, I said, convinced who? You've said your problem. What he does, he said, I hope my, what I've not said has not discouraged. I said, discourage you. What you are saying is your, is your, is what you think is right. It's your brain talking. It's not, has nothing to do with anything. All right? So one of the elements of pessimism there is that we attach permanence to things that are temporary. In other words, you talk as though that condition will be like that forever. Now, this is the problem. If you start talking like that, you extend the period unnecessary. And you can establish it as a permanent future in your life when it was supposed to be transient and supposed to be preparatory ground for the next thing. So you don't see ants in their makeup there thinking that, oh, because the sugar is no longer found, we go out, there's no sugar, they say, oh, the end of life, we're going to die here, we're going to die here. No, they understand it's preparation for the next one. They don't attach permanence to those things and start making statements, and this is where the problem starts. Like, I can never get my life back. Uh, uh, nothing is working for me. You start saying things you shouldn't extremely damaging words that extend the period or make it permanent. Extremely damaging words. I mean, Dr. Bill Winston, he was teaching, I mean, people teach on the power of words, but he came from an angle I'd never seen. My, I mean, in a very subtle way. That's how the enemy comes in and builds accusation. And he said, look, they will fly into the Philippines to go and preach, and he and his friend, and you don't know it's self-glorification. He said they will sit down and say, listen, they'll tell people, listen, to preach in the Philippines, are you ready? Because you will have to pray yourself in and you have to pray yourself out. It sounds religious, but they realized they were cursing themselves. You have to pray yourself in and you have to pray yourself out. So every time they're going in, they'll have problems with immigration, they'll be wondering, and they'll have to pray and pray and pray. Then when they're coming out, they want to arrest them, all kinds of things. He said, until one day they landed and the whole airport was flooded, and God told him, you are the one saying you have to pray yourself in. So by saying that, then you create dangerous circumstances. And you have to pray yourself out. He said, didn't I tell you that in your going out, you are blessed, and in your coming in, you are what? Blessed. But you are saying, we pray yourself in and pray yourself out. So somebody calls you during that time. How are things? Uh, tight. Honestly. Okay. This is a time for planting for the future. You are, you are, now, now let me show you what happens. Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 4. 
What do you do during the winter? The sluggard will not plow by reason of cold. Therefore, he shall do what? Beg in the harvest and have nothing. Which means this is not the harvest time. It is cold. But what are you supposed to be doing? To plowing your ground and planting the seeds you are going to get during the harvest. Which means you are looked at it. The next season is coming. Let me start planting seeds of words here. Talking about powerful things. So if you are in that season there, you need now to start talking about how powerful things are going to be. Start saying it. All right? And don't stop connecting to the cold that is in the environment. And the fact that, yes, we know it's cold. But don't connect to that. Don't get up and start, you know, saying things. Oh, you know, everything is trouble and you cause everything. Nothing is working, everything. And then dangerous words. Damaging statements. All right? Dangerous words. He said, words are not primarily for communication but for creation. That's a powerful revelation. Words are not primarily for communication but creation. Even in conversations with people, you are creating things. So somebody asks you something, you say something, you are creating things. Right? Words are supernatural entities. They are vehicles of power that convey things into your experiences. So it's a season of cold that you should just understand this is the time to plow. Everybody goes through it. Everybody. Now if a person handled the last season very well, then they have that cushion effect, but they know that, ah, Things have changed, so we've got to get into the next thing. There's going to be the next big idea that is going to come in. There's going to be the next. They're saying that. Just watch it. Just watch it. I've been through this cycle before. I've been through this cycle before. I've been through this thing before. And I know how. I've gotten this is to get now into the creative now. This, God is now giving me. There is nothing wrong. It's not just saying that, oh, you know, everything's terrible. No, everybody goes through it. Everybody goes through it. The only reason you may not see it is because people have utilized the opportunities of last season to create a buffer around themselves, but they know that the, the cutting edge, they have to get themselves back into uh, serious things. So you start saying it. You start declaring it. Right? And start saying it. Out of my being. And you start declaring those things consistently. Planting. So get into the creative with words. You plant about your future. Recognize the season and then start declaring and scouting for opportunities. Now, yeah, so how do you scout for opportunities? Don't forget. Ants always follow people when they move into houses. So you move into a house, they know food too is coming. Uh, your government so they'll be around you. All right? So you do that, they know stuff is coming in. So, hang around. You know things are happening, go around. You want to scout where are the opportunities in this particular thing. Don't, don't just stay all right, with, with where everybody is driving. Just keep declaring and, and hang around conversations. Get into places where, where hidden opportunities can be found. In places where things, read about people, things are happening in their lives. We want to talk to, all right? So you don't get and just sit down with people that they are all depressed and, you know, saying that, I know you're all suffering together, you know, like, you know, like therapy, but say, I don't worry, don't worry. You know, God will do it. You know, that kind of talk. There are people that stuff is happening for. And in their conversations, you will see things they have left aside. That is a starting point and a trigger for you to get into things. But don't forget this, and I'll close with this. 
Words always become flesh. What you say will always become flesh. Now, you may not know. I mean, I said this during Wafbeck. This was 3 o'clock, right? Wafbeck was starting 5.30 on Friday. And suddenly, the person in the office in charge of Wafbeck just came and said, Pastor, and she looked worried. I said, what's the matter? She said, Bishop Kate Butler. And when things happen like that, I don't let anybody know. It's only me and the person that knows we keep it because people may not know how to handle seasons. Next thing I say, I told you, God has left. I told you. I told you. you know, I just had a check in my, I knew in my spirit that something was wrong because people don't understand. I mean, one time they told Bill Gates when they were trying to take over and break Microsoft and all of that, people were saying, oh, Microsoft. He said, look, we've been going through this thing since the beginning, this kind of challenges. He said, you're only hearing about it now for the first time, but we've been facing it. Everybody has been facing things. So, uh, when she told me, I said, what did you say? He said, it's not coming. I said, but well, yesterday he asked for the schedule. He said, yes. She showed me the mail. I said, okay. And of all the ministers that come, the person that I'm closest to is him in terms of, in terms of if, if, if I, I, I remember they were having Christmas service. My wife was in America. I said, she should go. They, they, they I, she said she doesn't want to trouble them. So she's in the hotel room. When she finishes, she'll just come out. I said, if you want to go out and just quickly go. She didn't know that they had protocol officers hidden in the place. They didn't let her cross a road without an escort. That's how close, you understand it. So if anybody was going to cancel, it won't be him. You know, and that's how God works. So you don't think you're a big boy. So... I, I called him, I said, sir, what's happening? He said, well, this, this, this. Then he made the last statement I didn't say. He said, but you invited me late. In other words, what he was saying was that, was it really your intention for me to come? And the truth, so, well, to cut the long story short, he, immediately he dropped. And Bishop Tudor Bismarck had said his passport pages were full and he wouldn't be able to make it because he doesn't know where to place the visa. As I dropped to turn to her, she just said, Pastor, something has happened. I said, what? Another mail has come in. Bishop Tudor said he must be at the meeting, that he would take the risk of flying into Lagos and there will be something that will be done. So in five minutes, the issue, all right, was solved. But I now was telling a pastor, I said, the guy told me, he said, my friend, he said, you told me last year with your mouth that you are not inviting Bishop Butler for Wavbeck next year. This was this year. You said you are going to invite him for a minister's conference and that, that you feel he's more suited for that. You said it. Then I remembered. Are you following what I'm saying? That it is what I said that came back to me. Words you speak always become flesh. They create experiences for you. All right? Someone in the service told me after, she's doing very well in her office, her, her, her boss left. And there was hesitation to get into the position. And she's next in line. She told me, said, Pastor, after this, I said, you know what? I, they used to tell me, will you take up this job? I said, no, no, I don't like his job. When I came, I don't like my boss's job. He said, do you know that I had been saying it? Now the job is open. There's delay. So I realized that it's what I've been saying. All right? So look, don't curse yourself. If you see a car, don't say, I don't like expensive cars. Yeah, I'm okay. Don't say that. 
If you see people move, I say, yeah, lucky, so there's no problem, hopefully. All right? If you see people move, like, I don't like that lucky. I don't like that lucky. I don't like all these lucky, lucky, lucky people. I don't like. Don't say it. Because the day they want to sell land in lucky, you have said you don't like lucky people. What you say becomes flesh. We just don't know. It becomes flesh. So, when, particularly when there's pressure and people are just saying things, it becomes flesh. So I close with this. Words become flesh this way. And if you read where it says, prophesy over dry bones, words first create relationships. Then relationships create the opportunities for the manifestation of what you are saying. So the bones come together, bone to bone, joint to joint, which means you say something, relationships are formed. Then relationships start coming into your life. And once relationships start coming into your life there, so if, if you say that, um, let me just say this, if you say, let's say I just get up and I say, um, in, in, in 2022, these are the ministers coming for the, and I call names that are out of my reach, then what happens is those words must become flesh. So long as you don't want, they must become flesh. So relationships start getting formed in your life. And from those relationships then comes the opportunities for those things to happen in your life. So in the season when things are happening well, give God glory, ask him to open your eyes so you can maximize what is going on. All right? It's never just what is happening, face value. There's much more that is going on within. When you do that and you notice that the season has changed, there's no problem. Understand that it's time to get into the creative so now say we are going for something massive now. We've learned lessons from the last one and we are going to utilize all of this in our confession, which means we are going to declare all these things and be more specific, be more authoritative because of the kind of experience we've had. We spy the land, we know what it's all about and plant those powerful words. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you uh, for the power of your spirit and we thank you for your word. I ask that you cause this word to take deep root on the inside of us and bear forth fruit within our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. To listen to the full message or any other message, please visit our website at www.insightsforliving.org. For any inquiries, please call 0818 600 0082. God bless you.